0: Hey guys, Tucker here, co-host of the Portland Real Estate podcast. Before we get into this week's show, I wanted to let you know that we're currently looking for more projects. So for any of you guys that listen to the show that may be an agent or otherwise that have a property that you're looking to sell, we'd love to hear from you. Obviously, we're looking to purchase properties that are maybe not best suited for the retail market or maybe they need to be redeveloped. So we do renovations and we do new construction, so we could buy an existing home that maybe it smells like cigarette smoke, maybe it hasn't been updated in decades, maybe it's got some fun- functional issues, problems like that. Or maybe it's just in an area that is best suited to take the house down, partition the lot, maybe build a couple new homes or just build one new home in its place and anything in between. So if you guys out there in Listenerland have anything that would be best suited selling to a development company like ours, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website, which is ttmdevelopmentcompany.com. And when you go there, there's a contact us tab. Click on that and you can send us a message and we'll get back to you shortly thereafter. We'd love to hear from any of you guys out there that have a property like this. And hopefully we
1: All right, welcome back, everybody. This is episode seventy-eight of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. We're back. We took a little hiatus. We had to recharge the batteries. We had, you know, holidays, New Year's, and you know, just trying to get our get our traction going here at the beginning of two thousand eighteen. But we're back, and I've got my co-host here with me, Mr. Steve Nassar. What's up, Stevo?
2: Thanks, Tucker. Good to be back on the show. We had a little off season, as you mentioned, but yeah, you and I got together a week ago here on Meadows Road at Tavern on Cruise, had a, had a couple of and banged out some plans for the year. I think we've got a couple of great guests in queue. I'm excited to, to start hitting it hard on the podcast again. It's been for an interesting sure. beginning to the year and I, we've got a lot to chat about. So,
1: this is true. We kind of, I'll use my big word for the day, we pontificated about what the market was going to do. And now here we are in 2018, so we can talk about what it's actually doing. But before we dive into all that, any notable stuff in the real estate trenches as a, as a real estate broker and, and owner of a brokerage here in Portland?
2: Yeah. So as you mentioned, since the last show, we, we went into the holiday season. That's always an interesting stretch. We were pretty busy in December on my personal book of business. And then it definitely, you could feel the brakes pump right somewhere around the 15th, 17th of December. And then you go into that lull of just, you know, half pace of everything for about a week or two. What's interesting is it felt like the activity really picked up fast after the first of the year. Gosh, I even got. Some really good activity going december thirty first, like New Year's Eve. We were seeing offers written, leads coming in, buyers you know looking to do things, sellers reaching out. It wasn't April activity by any means. It felt different than most early Januarys. So that was really interesting. That said, I mean, it's not all it's not all puppies and rainbows. It's been a rough January on a different front. My team has had more terminations than I probably have ever experienced in a month. I kid you not, Tucker. We've had eight or nine terminations this month. Wow, what unrelated a- unrelated you know it's not it's not some systemic thing, so no panic there. it's just it's just the a, a bunch of balls bouncing the wrong way for my team and us. One of them you know i' I'll, I'll mention a couple of them. I mean one of them was actually kind of blamed the tax bill a little bit. It was supposed to close in January. They'd gone into contract in December, and it was a $1.3 million house in Lake Oswego. We were past all contingencies. We were closing in three days, and they backed out and and forfeited $25,000 earnest money. I, I just couldn't believe it. It's actually a baseball player in Japan, he's from here. He's an American, but he plays baseball in Japan. He, I think, he played it for Seattle for a couple of years, and now he plays over in Japan. Makes pretty good money. He's been a good client. It was a combination. He, he said, you know, he, he was a little panicked about the tax bill, how it affected his income, how he would be taxed, how he would be able to write off his agent was one of the things he mentioned. And then he had a few issues with the house that kind of thrown in the mix there. Like, yeah, it wasn't, you know, we didn't love it that much. So it was, it was a little, there were some mixed signals there, but that one was painful. That's, that, that's a the big tax bill excuse. Sounds like,
1: kind of BS. I mean, I, I I've i been through it inside yeah. out and backwards in terms of how it affects me and, or you for that matter, right? I mean, we're both in real estate, you know, we're buying and selling stuff all the time. So I paid close attention to it. it sounds like he kind of cranked up the Confusatron a little bit on that and was like, you know.
2: It, it's quite possible. It's quite possible. You know, to walk away from 25,000 earnest money, I mean, that's no joke. So it just boggles our mind how he went that far in the process and then, you know, fell out of love with the house. Maybe but he uh,
1: knew he, he wasn't getting a new contract or something or, you know, uh, who knows? Yeah,
2: yeah you, you know, those the people in those lines of work, they seem so glamorous and they are glamorous jobs and they get a lot of publicity and praise and love. But man, there's a lot of uncertainty there. There's a lot of uncertainty. Do you remember, did I talk about it on this show? About eight, nine months ago, Caleb Porter made an offer on one of our listings. Did I ever mention that? The uh, coach for the Timbers, I had a... Uh, Two million dollars in East Ridge in Lake Oswego, up uh, almost to where you go into West Lane on the hill. Beautiful house, swimming pool, views of Mount Hood. Caleb Porter came in and made an offer. He wasn't—I'll just say—he was—he was a little challenging to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he had his own agent, but we could tell that he—he he wasn't a peach to work with, which might might have something to do with why he's no longer with the timbers in hindsight but yeah i mean we kind of talked about that he ended up terminating that contract by the way and i remember t- talking amongst our team about that we were like talking about you know these these athletes and coaches and stuff though at the time he had been with the timbers for five six years i mean he was their original coach and he he seemed very well established and looked like he was here for the long haul. Well, you know how this story ends. I mean, he just went separate ways with the Timbers a few months ago. So obviously, yeah, it it is always interesting in those industries and and, in those occupations. The uncertainty of how long you're going to be around definitely is something that's a wild card.
1: Yeah, it always is. I mean, one of my neighbors is one of the higher ups for the Timbers and he was Caleb's right hand man. And I've always went out to drinks and dinner with him and his wife a few weeks ago and Uh, You know, I was like, so how long you think you're going to stay before, you know, you move? Because, you know, as a player, right, you don't generally stay on the same team for your whole career. So you plan on moving around. But the front office is kind of the same way, right? Once you move from player to front office, if that's what you're going to do with your career, it's kind of musical chairs also. So you just you never know how long you're going to stay around. And maybe that's, you know, Caleb Porter kind of saw the writing on the wall, what he wanted to do. And also that guy that's a baseball player, who knows, maybe he figured he was going to come into a big contract year and that contract wasn't materializing. and, And who knows?
2: Did he give you the inside line on what happened with Caleb? Was it? Yeah, he, I got he,
1: it, but you know? I got I got it ahead of time, but I'm uh, I'll I'll refrain from sharing. Yeah. So.
2: I don't know, so I'm speculating. I'm 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 happy to speculate on the air. He he seemed like he was a handful to deal with, and I wouldn't be surprised if ownership in him had a little headbutting. So I think um, it ownership a personality conflict that
1: ultimately, you know, caused them to go their separate ways is kind of what I guessed.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ownership being Paulson. And who knows, maybe who else in the front office? But I mean, he was, and the reason I say that is he was a good coach. He liked Portland. He was home shopping, you know. So it, it must have been something that that was all of a sudden, spur of the moment. Well, shoot, so you on. remember
1: the, the Oregon State coach, he walked away from like $4 million or something like that and just pieced out mid-season last year. So, you know, it happens. it
2: happens. Yeah, it does. Let me move on to PPG stuff and a little bit about what we go- have going on here. I was in Bend over the weekend, long- five-day weekend, did two events there, training and a, a little collaboration. That office is is picking up some, some momentum, really good vibe. We've, we've filled about three quarters of the office now, and uh, we're feeling really, really good about that. We had our Salem grand opening January 9th, really cool office in Salem. We're starting to grow that and fill it out. We've been hiring some Salem agents. We've been hiring a ton of great Portland area agents. We just picked up a large team. I think it's a 10-person team over on the east side, Gresham. He does a lot with uh, Zillow. I'll, I'll actually even say the name. We're excited to have Kyle Ball and his team here at PPG. That just happened here in the last week. Good things going on with uh, recruiting. We've added a couple cool marketing offerings to our online platform that our agents are able to order off of. We recently added a uh, 24-page Homebook that our agents can create. It's absolutely designed for luxury properties. So, when uh, an agent is going through and ordering their marketing for a property, they can order it. It's beautifully done, 24 pages, huge pictures, very well laid out. It's designed kind of more for like an island piece to be there on the island. Yeah, buyer, some buyers might take them away, but that's not typically the you know You'd think they'd have to be a pretty serious buyer at that point. By all means, please take it. (laughs) But uh, we're cool to get that added into the uh, portfolio of products on our marketing line. We've also kind of tweaked our print marketing. We now are offering a different style and design. We call it our modern. So when agents are ordering all their print marketing, they can either go with the original traditional or they can go with more of a modern look. It's really, really cool looking. It's clean, well spaced out, white, and we've just had some phenomenal reviews on it from our agents, and they're excited that we've got that so that they can have a little variety with how they do their uh, marketing. And then a couple of tweaks to our welcome packages. We redesigned the exterior folder on it, and now we're rolling out a Shopify system so that our orders are a little bit more streamlined. There's some kind of back-end logistics that helps with, but it's also going to allow us to have a rush order option so that if agents really want to get that buyer, seller, welcome package to their client in an expedient manner, they can select the rush order option. It's a little bit more money, but we'll manually figure out the fastest way to get it there for them. And agents really have responded well to that. So cool. how's things going for you guys?
1: It's been busy. I've been, um, you know, I'm in this transitionary stage of moving for the last time. So I'm happy to say that uh, my house, I actually sold it without having to list it. And, um, Are you? It's official? It's official. I mean, we're not closed, but we're well, through everything.
2: Were you in contract a week ago when we talked about this? Yeah, we've been in contract for a while. Okay. okay, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a great house. I'm kind of sad to go. I'm hoping that all the pain in the ass of building another one at the same time and having two little kids is all worth it. Uh, which you know, it it, I'm I'm pot committed now, so it has to be. But uh, either way, it's it's a great house, and uh, I'm glad to be selling it to. I'm selling it to, which is you know, well known uh, person in the real estate industry here locally. I'm not gonna, you know, snuff that person out. But anyway, glad to see it. The house going to her. Beyond that, we, uh, we've we got a bunch of new that, projects. By the way, that
2: speaks well of your house, Tucker. I didn't tell you this the other day. You you mentioned who it was that was buying it. And like you said, it's a, it's a very well-known name in Portland real estate who sells a lot in Lake Oswego and has a family history of selling a lot in Lake Oswego. For them to single out your house, it's a pretty cool testimonial. You might even want to get a testimonial for your website in the future (laughs) with that name. Not
1: a bad idea. Yeah, she's a great person, and uh, I'm I'm glad to see it go to her because we put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that house and just made it exceptional in a lot of ways. But anyway, my new house is coming along, but uh, we've got a bunch of other stuff going on, too. We're finally, uh, we're putting in uh, road and utilities on a couple of uh, half acre lots, um, actually right down the street from my current house on Upper Drive. So we're going to start breaking ground, actually putting in foundation and framing here very shortly for those two houses. But um, they're both on a half acre. They're going to be really cool um, in a super highly desirable part of uh, Lake Oswego right there off Upper Drive. And then we started a uh, a kind of a lower end project for us. It's not low end, but uh, right in Multnomah Village, um, just on the edge of it, we're doing a a three bedroom, two bath ranch um, home that's going to be completely updated. We're going to put that on market. It's walking distance to the village and all that it has to offer. So that'll be a cool project for us. So we're kind of. You know, we've got some longer term stuff. We've got some shorter term stuff in terms of the things, we, you know, we're selling a couple this month that um, sold pretty quick. Uh, you know, and we'll dive into that more in the market action stuff. We talk about it. But I was one of those people that listed something kind of right before month change from December to January. And we got a lot of activity real quick. Surprisingly, I, I kind of wanted to beat the if there was going to be a rush to market for people that were basically holding off to list, I wanted to kind of beat that. So we're not lost in the clutter. And uh, there wasn't really a big bump in, I think, new listings. But either way, it went. we went on the market, and we went pending really quick on a couple of listings. So market's definitely uh, hot if if you're pricing stuff correctly. And uh, one was a, a project, uh, a multifamily project in Milwaukee, and uh, the other one was a redevelopment play uh, on the edge of um, Milwaukee and Southeast Portland. So those both sold really, really quickly. You know, we're busy. We got a lot going on. We're kind of, you know, this year... I don't know what's going to happen to the real estate market beyond this year, you know, for the immediate future, I don't see anything really changing. And we'll go into that again more when we dive into the market action report numbers, but you know, for us, we're kind of looking at long-term stuff that we have in terms of time vested in the project before we can exit. Um, And we're trying to balance that with some shorter term stuff. So we, you know, we started doing a lot of renovations. That was kind of how we started in the business. And then we segued into new construction. Back in 2010, 2011. And, um, you know, we've been doing a lot of new construction since then. Uh, but we've also done a few rehabs here and there. So we're kind of balancing it, I think, this year because the rehabs are quicker projects for us. We're in and out. We're not as exposed to market changes. Um, we don't have capital tied up for as long. So, we've got a lot of great builds that we're gonna be doing, but I think we're gonna kind of wait that with some shorter term stuff as we head into 2018. Cause I, I don't know what 2019 is gonna bring, but I know that uh, for the foreseeable future, I think it's gonna be pretty easy to sell desirable product for a pretty top dollar. So that's kind of our plan moving forward. One big thing I wanted to let our listeners know, because we have one property that we're, we're actually gonna be building, it's gonna be ground up new construction in the Woodstock neighborhood. But unfortunately, it's considered a corner lot, even though it's not really a corner lot. And so with the city, they have their LTIC fees, which is basically sidewalk improvement fees, right? Which has been a huge hindrance and, and problem for builders because it adds a tremendous amount of cost to building uh, new homes. And so for us, this particular property, it's 60 feet wide on the front. And 120 feet deep on the side. So they were trying to get us for 600 bucks a linear foot for the LTIC fees for the frontage and the side frontage. So it was like $95,000 in fees to the city, and that didn't even count our building permit. And so there was whisperings that city council was going to be presented with uh, the possibility of, of capping the LTIC fees. And so this has come to fruition. They're voting on it actually tomorrow. So by the time people listen to this, you'll know what the verdict is, but it looks like it should pass. And basically what they're going to do is they're going to cap the fees based on zoning. So the most probably obvious zoning that people need to pay attention to is R5 zoning if you're close into the city of Portland, which is a typical 5,000 square foot lot being the minimum lot size. Our property is R five, and so if you have an R five zone property, which is most of closer in Portland, in residential areas anyway, the cap is now going to be thirty thousand dollars. So for us right now, they want to charge us ninety five. If we wait another week and this passes, that changes down to thirty. So it's a sixty five thousand wow. dollars change, everything else being equal. That's
2: um, a big so- change because I mean we had an entire podcast where you kind of laid out you know the costs that a builder would incur. And why? Basically, there, there just can't be affordable housing in Portland, and and that was a big part of it. So yeah. that's a big change in the right direction. Good work. Yeah, hopefully,
1: <laughs> hopefully it passes. Um, you know, it, it appears that it will, but um, yeah, that'll change the marketability for a lot of corner lots with an R five zoning moving forward because it shaves about $65,000 off basically, you know, give me money fees from uh, our local government. So anyway, that's uh, something to th- Something everybody should be aware of.
2: How do you, just out of curiosity, how do you have a corner lot that really isn't
1: a corner lot? What What was the... So there's like a, a gravel hammerhead to the right of the lot. And because it's a gravel hammerhead that basically has one driveway that accesses off that, that hammerhead, they consider it a corner lot. So uh-huh. it's not even finished roadway and it's not a through roadway. But they don't care. So, oh, got yeah. it. So, Sorry. anyway, I, yeah, that's neither here nor there. But the uh, bottom line is all corner lots that are eligible or not el- eligible sounds like a good thing, but actually would have these types of fees assessed against them for the LTIC fees if it's a corner lot. And now they would assess you for the whole frontage, front and side. If this goes through, it'll only be for the front, basically, because they'll cap you at 30 grand. So, that's good. It's good news. Yeah. So,
0: other than that, that's, uh,
1: you know, Big stuff that's going on with us lately here and what we're dealing with. So maybe uh, we segue into market action report. And uh, what do you think? What do, have you taken a look at it?
2: Yeah. Here's the kind of what my take on it, Tucker. We talked. We chatted a little bit about this the other day, and I actually was with a own builder over the weekend. Played a, played a little poker with him, and I'm hoping to get him on the show here in the in the coming couple weeks. But was chatting with him a little bit too. Here's my take is yes 2018 is going to be solid i mean i see nothing you know in the foreseeable future that's going to change what this market's doing here's kind of my feel on it it feels to me like the afterburners are on i've been pretty vocal for going on a year year and a half now that we were due for a correction i don't see that correction coming this year and or at least in the early part of the year with barring some something unforeseen And there's a simple reason why i mean the economy is solid the economy is really what's propping up the housing market thing the tax change i think was big in that regards you know i read something i think it was just yesterday the tax change is kind of a tale of two stories it's really good for the average or or a little above average and, and below it's a little negative for the higher end market because of the mortgage deduction but what you're seeing is that the tax change in of itself is good for some, but also we've been seeing a lot of news and media about companies that are giving raises. They're giving bonuses. I mean, Starbucks did it. Gosh, AT and T did something. I, there's there's been quite a few. It's it's there's been and there's been quite a bit of publicity about it because they're basically saying, hey, you know, we went from being taxed these corporations at thirty five percent to twenty percent, so we're going to share the love. Which is good. I I see no downside to that. That's money going out into the economy that affects consumer consumer sentiment. It affects you know real dollars in their pocket. That helps the housing market. So that's the. I mean that and the stock market is hot. I I think it's been a little down this week, but I mean beyond this week, it's it's just red hot and rolling. With you know who knows how long that will go. And and again, that's a creation of wealth. That's a creation of of money that is available to, to spend in real estate. So I think that's the good news. Uh, The, if there was bad news, here's what I would probably say when you have a market that probably should have corrected a year, year and a half ago, or maybe, maybe six months ago or three months ago, or maybe today, who knows, but, and it doesn't because there's an underlying, you know, a fundamental propping it up. Helping it, that takes it further than it probably should have gone. There's a word for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think there is a big word for that. Yeah,
2: and it, it starts with a B and it, it has a couple other Bs inside of it. Um, bubble. I mean, and I'm not being definitive here, but there's a, there's that possibility. If if the housing market is gonna keep going because of you know outside forces helping it then when it does change when the stock market does correct when those jobs shift or you know and we all know i mean everyone knows every every boom has a has a recession behind it or some kind of correction so when the economy does change and some of those jobs contract it'll be in my opinion it's going to be a little harder on the housing market than if it had just naturally corrected maybe today or 6 months ago or a year ago so that would be my my concern is is it's great it it reminds me a little bit of 2006 but for a different reason not because there's there's faulty mortgage products and and by the way that was worse but more because i remember in 2005 and 2006 we've talked about this before we felt like the housing market had had a good and it was going to change. And then what came out and started propping it up and keeping it going and fueling it was, or if you will, the afterburners on it was the mortgage products. Today, it's not the mortgage products, but maybe it's the economy. Maybe it's the stock market. Maybe it's some of these other things. So so the good news is I think we're going to have a, a pretty good housing market for 2018 and maybe beyond. Who knows? I mean, it. it I think the economy is really, really solid right now. And, and I think consumer sentiment is really, really strong. I have noticed in some of the data that the price increases has slowed a little bit. I think that's good. I think nationally, I saw some statistics nationally. We're 6% above the the peak back in 06, 07 nationally, and I think year over year we're at about 6% increase in, in pricing. So what about you? What do you think?
1: I pretty much agree with you. I've been pretty vocal about my opinion opinions that you know everything that goes up must come down right or at least cool down and we were talking about you know in october okay is this the perpetual cool down of the market and it turns out it was just kind of your seasonal cool down which happens about every year around that time but as we head into you know now the beginning of 2018 the biggest thing that stands out for me because the the biggest laws in in pricing is supply and demand right the you got to have you have excess supply then it has downward pressure on pricing if you have low supply and excess demand you have upward pressure on pricing and so we came out this year with 1.6 months of inventory the last two years we've been at 1.2 months and 1.3 months so we're still in that ridiculously low inventory levels the problem there though is that in terms of a market cooling dramatically you have to have a, a pretty heavy rise in inventory and so the challenge is number one if somebody sells a house they have to buy a house right So those two are basically if they're playing musical houses, they're kind of canceling each other out in terms of somebody has to sell and somebody has to buy. So the only real way to up a lot of inventory that won't eventually cancel each other out to some extent is to provide new housing product. And in most of Portland, uh, in the, and the closer and surrounding areas, there isn't any huge glut of housing that's going to be hitting the market in terms of single family, because it's just so difficult to produce that housing, both dealing with the, the bureaucracy and also, you know, neighbors and NIMBYs and everything else. So it's it's a challenge. And a lot of those redevelopments are, you know, one down, one up redevelopments. You tear down an old house, you put a new one in its place. Occasionally, you tear down one old house and you put two or three in its place. But there's not any massive amount of housing that's going to be provided. And in addition to that, you know, the, the cost of construction is is still going up it's insane the the difference in how much it costs to build a house now versus just two, three years ago. You know, I mean, I was walking the house with a sub this past week, basically saying, dude, your prices to do the same thing three years ago were half. And, you know, it's purely just a labor cost thing, you know, in a lot of ways. And, um, and for those guys, I get what they're doing because it's a supply and demand situation for them as well. They think they can get it, they get it. But that helps shape the real estate market. Sometimes, not for the better, too, because it, it dictates where that new construction can happen and, and that redevelopment. But that aside, you know, bottom line is inventory is still tight, and it's not going to change overnight. If it does, it's going to be a slow rise, um, just because of those factors that I kind of mentioned. And so, you know, that's going to limit it's just going to limit the the ability for inventory to rise on a uh, on a steady climb and uh, inventory has to do that in order for the market to slow down so i agree with you i think at least for the first half of this year through let's say the summer buying season i don't think we're going to see anything dramatically different you know maybe prices don't go exponentially higher but i still think there's going to be a lot of demand and i think things are going to be moving quickly if you price them properly
2: yeah there was some interesting statistics in the uh, action market action report. There was more listings that hit the market in December than any other year since '11, which is interesting because '11 the market hadn't even rebounded yet. It was just starting to. I don't know what what that's all about, but it was an interesting statistic in there. Otherwise, I mean the, the market was cooler year over year, which is not not that it was cool, but it, it definitely the numbers were down from '17 to from. From 16 to 17. So that was interesting. Yeah, it's, got some, it's got some velocity to it, and I think we're going to really feel it starting next week. I've always said the Super Bowl is kind of unofficially the, of the, the uh, spring season. Because a lot of people get that, but buyers do. And what I mean by that is I can't tell you how many listings I'm going to, and all of them are like, hey, I should list in April, right? I should list in April, right? I should list in May, right? And I'm like, no, you should list in February because everybody else is going to list in April and May. (laughs) Sure, there'll be a few more buyers out there in April and May, but there's going to be a lot more sellers because the flowers are blooming and the grass is pretty and the sun's a little bit more out, even though maybe not that much more. And so you're going to have a lot of competition just because there's that psyche. Sellers just love spring. But here's what I've noticed is come mid-February, early to mid-February, buyers start coming out in, in droves. They're not really concerned with you know the the timing of seasons. They you know football season's over. The sun starts to shine. You know springs and they're thinking about spring just around the corner, and they start coming out. Inventory is still pretty low because of all those people holding out for the spring. So it's just such a great time to list. I I really try to drill that into my sellers. That you know, get out there, beat the competition, get your home listed in you know, mid to early February or anytime you know, soon as soon and thereafter as possible. Even you know, late February or March is better than you know, going into the late March when everybody else starts hitting the market. And um, I've always seen great results from that. What do you think about that time of year, Tucker? I mean, I. <laughs> people buy houses every
1: time of year. I mean, I, it's harder to sell if you're going to list in, you know, December between, you know, let's call it Thanksgiving and Christmas. But outside of that, I mean, you price a house correctly, it looks good. It sells. I mean, in this market, I, I really don't think there's any reason to wait for the whatever selling season, you know, because then if you end up pricing it too aggressively and you get to the tail end of the summer selling season and you still haven't sold it or, and you finally get to that price, you know, where it sells at, then you know, you ended up being there a lot longer. You ended up selling it for the realistic price eventually. I, I just you know, for me it's if it's not between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, list the damn thing. Yeah, <laughs> get, get it listed, yep. you know? So
2: Yeah. But yeah, it's it feels good to be heading into a little busier season. I it was nice to have some downtime over the holidays and, and and have a little break, but uh, I'm ready to get busy again and, and start putting some deals together that hopefully stay together
1: yeah you got to replace eight or nine that you know which is a brutal brutal punch in the gut but the plus note is, is that you probably won't have many more this year that fall out because you can, you know, a lot of averages will kick in eventually. And that that's all your turd deals right there. You got them all in one month. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the majority of them are still looking and still working with us. You know, there was a lot of property issue ones and, and, and just some fluke stuff. The majority of them are still going to go buy something. So it's not like we lost clients and, and those deals are gone forever. A few of them are, but... Yeah, it, I, I'm ready for uh, 2018 to, to, to turn a new leaf and, and really crank it. I mean, there are other really positive things. I've got, gosh, four or five listing appointments between now and Monday, taking three listings live next week. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good activity out there. And I, I feel it's just a matter of, we're, you know, the rubber's going to hit the road and we're going to start cranking and and. Things will get back on track, but I always, uh, I always, I've I've probably talked about this on here before, but it it always eludes me. Um, We're we're one of the few as realtors, and most of our listeners will appreciate this. We're one of the few professions where you can do your entire job and do it well as promised, and still not get a paycheck (laughs) legally. (laughs) I mean, you know, you you think about you know a house painter or. even a builder or a lot of other you know jobs out there a doctor if they say they're gonna do something and then they do it and they do it competently and well usually either you're you're getting paid or you're going after somebody because they didn't pay you but we're actually allowed in real estate to take it to the finish line be two days away from a paycheck and then have that paycheck evaporate and we don't get to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah that's and when that happens eight or nine times that, that could be especially painful
2: yeah, so. yeah
1: yep well with that said i gotta book in this episode because i gotta run and actually go sign on a couple that we're selling today so uh i'm gonna huh. wrap this up but uh you got any parting words of, of wisdom for our listener base
2: We're glad to be back into 2018. I do think, I do truly think it's going to be a good year. I think there's a lot of fundamentals and I think it's a strong economy and I feel really good about 2018 right now and the level of activity and, and, you know, just some some personal stuff going on within our team and PPG in general and and our agents as well. So yeah, happy 2018, everybody. I know it's a little belated, but we're excited to be back a
1: virtual um, studio. Yes. Yeah.
2: The virtual studio at the mic. And we're going to have some great guests for you here very soon.
1: Perfect. Yeah. Well, great start to the year market action report looks good. Market seems to be very healthy at the moment. We'll put a bookend on it and we'll see you guys on the next show.